coming. Here we go again. Up early, feed the dog, out the door, traffic, at the office, boss in some kind of mood today, no time for lunch, annoying co-worker, no time to relax, bedtime. Then we gotta do it all again? Uh, no way. Because the best way to break up the mundane every day is to play. At Wild Rose Casino and Resort, slots, tables, sports, and a whole lot of perks when you join and play with your club wild card. So, let's play. Wild Rose Casino and Resort, Clinton. Does your financial advisor take the time to really listen to you? Is your financial strategy personalized for you and your family? Will your financial advisor be there as your life and financial situation changes? When you work with Edward Jones, they focus on what's important to you. You'll work together and use an established process to create a personalized financial strategy backed by the advice, tools, and resources to help you reach your goals. And they'll partner with you to help your strategy stay on track. Visit edwardjones.com or stop by the office of Todd Nash in Coralville, Jeff Rudolph, or Scott McGill in Iowa City, or Travis Whitmore in North Liberty. Edward Jones, Making Sense of Investing, member SIPC. Hello there, and welcome to the Hawk Fanatic Mailbag Podcast. I am your host, Rob Howe, recording on Tuesday, April the 26th, a little before 11 a.m. Central Time here in Iowa City. Uh, sunny day, a little bit crisp and cool, but uh, much better than yesterday. I was at my daughter's um, freshman track meet up at Kingston Stadium in Cedar Rapids, and uh, the wind chill was like 30, um, so... <laughs> pretty unpleasant, especially after being out at Kinnick on Saturday uh, for the open spring practice where I was upset with myself for not wearing shorts because it was like 75, 80 degrees out there. But such is life here in Iowa with the, uh, you know, changing weather patterns. But uh, spring will get here eventually and then it'll be summer and 100 and humid and people will be complaining about that as well. So. We'll uh, move on from the weather discussion here and hop into some of your uh, Twitter questions. Spring football behind us now. Uh, Saturday was the last of 15 practices. We got a chance to get out there uh, and see them publicly for the first time uh, for the 22 season. And uh, like I said, or tried to say on the radio yesterday, I had one of those interviews on the radio yesterday with Todd Bromwell Camp and Alex Kuhn. I just, you get up, you hang up and you're like, man, I was just like a bumbling idiot on this thing. Not that I'm not on, the, on this podcast either, but just kind of stumbling and long winded. And I hate when I get like that. But what I was trying to say is the good news is there's a long way to go before the season starts. The bad news is there's a long way to go before the season starts, if that makes sense. There's time on the side, but there's plenty of improvement that needs to be made. And Kurt Ferentz and his staff know that. The players know that. Um, it's kind of the, the nature of the beast here at Iowa. And for the most part, most developmental programs, which are the majority of programs in this country that aren't the blue bloods, but, um, you know, you, it it's it's development and a lot can change and you can get a lot better between April and September and August, whatever the case may be. And uh, I think there's certainly a lot of potential here with this Iowa football team, particularly on defense. Not that that's anything new or breaking news, but 
Really liked what I saw from the defensive line on Saturday. Uh, I think I was really deep in the secondary again with the three starting linebackers out uh, for this spring. Got a chance to see some of the the guys who uh, who are on the depth chart behind Campbell, Benson, and Jacobs, and uh, some good talent there as well, some upcoming talent. Uh, I think the linebacker core will be in good shape, even if all three of those starters decide to move on after this season. They certainly don't have to, but they certainly can. So we'll kind of see how that shakes out. But really impressed with the defense. Um, Tory Taylor continues to look good at punter. Uh, kicking a little shaky. Um, Aaron Blum and uh, Drew Stevens, not their best day. Um, As we were told after the practice, Iowa's only been outside. I think that was the third time it's been able to be outside because of the aforementioned crappy weather we've had here uh, in Iowa City this spring. So first time probably in those extreme elements, and I'm talking about wind, it was really windy uh, at Kinnick on Saturday and uh, good experience for those guys. They got out in front of fans for the first time and uh, who knows, maybe Caleb Shudik's uh, Shudax, uh relatively small shoes will be the hardest to fill this offseason, and we'll see. And, you know, I wouldn't put it past Iowa to maybe look into the portal for a kicker. I don't know what's in there, but the possibility to, to maybe bring somebody in to bridge the gap while Stevens and Bloom um, develop, so to speak. So kind of see how that goes, uh, but that's something definitely to monitor. Offense was shaky. There's no other way around it. Very inconsistent. The offensive line allowed a lot of pressure. Again, keeping it in perspective, really good defense. One of the better defenses in the Big Ten that the offense is is facing on a regular basis. Hopefully, you know, I'm not a huge fan of the the, um, iron sharpens iron cliche saying, whatever it is. But in this case, I I think you kind of look at it that way and hope that that's the case. Uh, some still just throws that need to be made. Uh, not def- I'm, And I'm not as worried about the deep balls. Um, and you can check out my Twitter timeline, and I have all the video from Saturday, uh, all the 11-on-11 plays, all the live action kicks as well and punts. Um, but uh, just you look at the offense, and it just looks still looks really uncomfortable. It's, you know – in quicksand almost the way it moves. And uh, I don't worry as much about the deep balls. Keegan Johnson was out, although Charlie Jones is one of the better deep threats. A couple balls thrown to him were inaccurate. Good coverage, yes, but uh, I I encourage you guys to go check those videos out and see for yourself. Everybody kind of has their own opinions. Keep it in perspective. Don't overreact. But, uh, again, uh, the good news is there's a long way to go before the start of the season. The bad news is there's a long way to go before the start of the season. So that are, those are my th- initial thoughts on uh, open spring practice on Saturday. Scott Docterman and I uh, will dive much deeper into that and um, preview the NFL draft too for the Hawkeyes on Thursday in our Hawkeye hotspot podcast here on the feed. Um, we have daily Hawkeye podcasts on here during the week, Monday through Friday. So check out the Hawk Fanatic feed. Um, wanted to thank our sponsors, Systems Unlimited, Wild Rose Casino, Edward Jones. Appreciate, uh, appreciate their contributions to us being able to bring you guys daily podcasts. Um, 
maybe we can get something working on the weekends too at some point. But uh, when the weather gets nicer, you don't want to really be listening to podcasts. Maybe I guess if you're doing yard work. But let's hop into some questions on Twitter. Uh, hashtag HF Mail. Uh, anytime during the week, if you have any questions for me, comments, cr- criticisms, uh, making fun of me, any whatever you want to do, HF Mail. Anytime during the week, use that hashtag on Twitter. I will find it the following podcast and. We will discuss on the next podcast. So uh, Dan Brockett checks in at Freakademic on Twitter. Uh, is it me? Is it just me? Or did the competition for starting quarterback appear to have been decided before the open practice? It seemed like Petrus got all the one, two reps and Padilla and Labus split the far more numerous two and three reps. Is the competition between Labus and Padilla for QB two now? I'm not saying that's a bad thing, by the way. Petrus looked bad on paper Saturday but I think the throws and reads he was asked to make were more difficult versus the number one defense, even with injuries. And a lot of the, his incompletions weren't bad reads, throws, in my opinion. Yeah, it was a mix, Dan. Um, bottom line is, I, time for a coffee sip. It's been a while since I've had one, and I'm going to need one to answer this question. Not that it's a bad question, but just kind of uh, some overarching thoughts here. Coffee sip time. And yes, I'm still drinking coffee at 11 a.m. on a Tuesday. Um, but, I, you know, it seems like we're looking, we're dissecting the offense and saying, you know, this needs to be better, that needs to be better. Yeah, but if, you know, if Keegan Johnson and the other receivers are getting more reps, if all the offensive linemen are healthy, if, you know, the throw was just a little bit, a few another foot this way or a foot that way or the the receiver runs the route a little bit differently it's just again overall for me I can sit here and we can talk about this till we're blue in the face Dan but it's got to be better it just has to be it has to be better this fall I don't think Iowa can rely to, to I don't think Iowa can win 10 games again with similar offensive performance as it had last year. The schedule is more difficult. There were some breaks last year that the other teams gave and Iowa took them too. I'm talking like Charlie Jones's return against Illinois and the block at Nebraska. You can, those have a tendency to kind of even out those things. Maybe Iowa continues to kick ass on special teams and defense, and it's enough to get to 10 wins every season. I just think you're really playing with fire unless this, this offense takes a significant step forward. Got to be a higher percentage, completion percentage. Got to be low 60s at minimum, but mid-60s um, would be ideal. 70 would be great, but at least mid-60s with a ball control offense. You need to do that. And there were checkdowns on Saturday. There was one to Gavin Williams early that was just really poorly thrown. And a couple of balls to Arlen Bruce that were way off. Um, Again, yeah, good defense, pressure. I get it. But at some point, you have to make plays, no matter how good the defense is. To your first part of the question, I've I've been of the belief that Spencer Petrus has had a significant lead in this competition. He had it coming into the spring. I don't get the sense that it's closed at all. If anything, I think it's widened. You know, talking to Alex Padilla on Saturday, he feels like it's a fair competition. 
as long as he thinks it's a fair competition and Labus feels it's a fair competition and the best guy is winning and everybody in the locker room sees the same thing, you're fine. But if you're playing a guy ahead of a, another who in the locker room, they see in practice, they being the other players on the team, if they, and this is kind of what happened with Bethard and Rudolph and, and Bethard and his dad forced the coach's hand. It was either, it was one or the other there. And they went with Bethard. They knew that they had one more year of Rudolph and two more years of Bethard. They played the odds there. They felt like they had two good quarterbacks, but it's just the landscape. It's tough to keep two in that type of situation. This one is interesting because Padilla chose to come back. And if he stays, what does Petrus do after the season? Does he come back for another season? Does he go? Does Padilla then go? If Petrus comes back and Padilla catch Petrus, it's really – and then what happens with Labus and Carson May, who gets here this summer. Um, so the, the quarterback puzzle is always going to be difficult. But bottom line for me, Dan, is whoever it is has to be better. This offense has to be better. And that's the coaches putting them in position to be better. If it needs – if things need to be simplified, simplify them. Whatever needs to happen to make this offense better, the components are there. Um, you know, these coaches recruited these players. These are the guys they wanted. They're developing them. They need to put them in position to succeed. They haven't done that to this case. Yeah, there is um, ownership for the players. There's ownership for the coaches. And we can sit here and debate who has, you know, who's more uh, to blame for offensive struggles. It really doesn't matter. Bottom line is the offense needs to be better, whether it's Petrus, Padilla, Labus, uh, somebody out of the transfer portal. I'm not saying that's what they're going to do, but you have to hope that that was one snapshot of 15 practices, which it was, and you try to keep that perspective that it was a tough day. But again, it's we have a right to be um, skeptical, and I think that's based on what we've seen with Brian Ferentz as the offensive coordinator with different quarterbacks now, three different quarterbacks, Stanley, Padilla, Petrus. It looks like it struggles no matter who that guy is. The common denominator is are the coaches. So be that as it may, um, there's plenty of ownership to go around and the offense just needs to be better. So thanks for the question, Dan. Appreciate you checking in. Uh, always good to hear from you. Uh, Justin Daggett. Uh, at jdaggett11 on Twitter. Any idea where Iowa is putting their collective? Is that and putting their collective in place? I've heard it there. It's in the works, Justin. Uh, I've heard the person who is leading it. Um, I think it's somebody who's very uh, adept at finances and being able to maybe maximize what Iowa's trying to do here. Um, but each day that goes by is not good. We've seen Iowa State release its this week. Uh, you look pretty much around the Big Ten. They're out there. You don't want to rush it, but you also, there is a sense of urgency. And how far along they are, I don't know. Um, but hopefully it's sooner rather than later. Gary Barta has said that it looks like it will be in place for the fall. But for recruiting purposes, you need it in place now to start to help coaches out on the recruiting trail when it's brought to their attention that, hey, 
such and such has this collective and such and such has this, that collective. What do you guys have? And if you're on the recruiting panel and say, hey, we got something in the works. If this is what it looks like it's going to be, that's not good. So Iowa needs to be better. Um, needs to, there needs to be more of a sense of urgency here. And I wrote a column last week about that. You can find that on my Twitter timeline. Uh, but it's just there needs to be something in place. And you can, you can uh, design it however you want. You know, whatever is important to you, whatever, whatever student athlete you're trying to um, uh, draw to your school, whatever student athlete you're trying to target to be in your program, you can make the collective, you can gear the collective towards that, whether it's, you know, win, graduate, do it right. If that's the, if that's the approach, then that's the, what you use your collective for. But I do not have a, a uh, firm date, Justin. I'm just hoping it happens sooner rather than later. I know it's in the process. I know it's in the works. Um, it's not rocket science. So hopefully we hear something pretty soon. Thank you for that question. I know that's on a lot of people's minds. Uh, Andy Kutcher at Andy underscore Kutcher on Twitter. Any notes from the open practice on who may fill the cash position and the other two D open DB spots? Lots of IR fans want to see Wonka start. Is that for fear he'd transfer if he doesn't? Seems like recent Iowa five-star recruits come to the program knowing they have to compete. Yeah, I think he understands. And again, um, I'm not going to say there aren't student athletes who have a skewed view of where they are in terms of progress. Um, But I think most grounded and as objective as they can be, student athletes, understand where they are in the pecking order. Now, you're always going to have kids that feel like, hey, I'm better than that guy. You're going to have close competitions where it can go one way or the other, and the coaches have to pick one. Um, and then that could lead to guys leaving the program, uh, just guys not seeing a pathway to playing time because the guys ahead of them are better. That leads to attrition, uh, all those things. But I think it would be crazy for Wonka to think about leaving already. Um, and I don't think he is, and I'm not saying that's what you're insinuating. Um, but I don't think if he's not the, a starter on defense come the first week of the season, he's out of here. I think he realizes that it's going to be a process, and it is. He's trying to learn. We've seen him. He looked – I mean, he made some – again, not to pimp my Twitter timeline again, uh, at Rob Howe HN on Twitter, but – he made a play on a run stop near the goal line. You can see the video on my Twitter timeline. That was just, you're like, wow, that's what we, that's where the, where the stars come from. That's where the pedigree comes from. That's the pedigree, but it has to be on a consistent basis. And that's what the coaches need to see. And that's what other guys on the defense need to see. If there's somebody ahead of him, that's more consistently making plays. Um, that's what needs to happen. Um, and you can't have breakdowns, especially on the back end. Uh, when you have a, you know, the bend but don't break philosophy. So I've said this before, and I'm kind of looking at it through this lens again, Andy. I think if you can put him, and it doesn't have to be the same path, but a similar path is what Cooper DeGene had last year, where he got his feet wet on special teams early in the season. And by the end of the year, he was ready to contribute on special teams or on, on defense and, and hopped in there in the, uh, in the Capital One Bowl. 
that's a good plan. Now, maybe Xavier breaks through earlier. Maybe the game slows down for him earlier, and he's a guy who can contribute, and he's better than a guy that's on the field, and then you make that switch. But I think that's kind of what you go into and see how much progress he makes between now and camp opening, because now is a lot of conditioning, strength work, and mental prep and mental reps and watching film and, uh, and understanding what I was doing defensively as much as what other teams are doing defensively. You got to get down your defense first. And he's still in the process of doing that. So I think I don't have any concerns at all with Wong Pa. I think he's, an, he's, he, it was a valuable spring for him as an early enrollee. And now he's ready for the next step and we'll see where he is in August in terms of the cash position, I think it's probably Cooper DeGene or uh, Sebastian Castro in the open practice. Castro was playing strong safety in place of the injured Kayvon Merriweather. DeGene got most of his reps at the cash position. I think that's where it shakes out. If you ask me, I think it's going to be Quinn Schulte at free, Kayvon Merriweather at strong, Cooper DeGene at uh, cash, alternating with uh, Justin Jacobs, but I think there are going to be situations where Iowa sticks four three. If it's a situation where Jacobs can handle coverage, um, so it'll be interesting to see how those reps shake out. I'm not sure Cooper DeGene is going to get the same amount of cash reps as Dane Belton and Amani Hooker got, at least initially. But we'll see how it shakes out. But that's kind of my vision based on what I saw on Saturday. And then Castro may get cash reps. Um, is the backup at strong safety? Uh, with the potential to be the starter there next year, but then you have Xavier Wongpa. So, yeah, there, it's it's crowded back there, good competition, and that's good for Iowa getting the best product. So kind of my thoughts there. Thanks for the question, Andy. Appreciate it. Uh, St- Scott Trunkel at Corvairs on Twitter, which, if any, happens first. Brian, head coach, head football coach, Connor, head basketball coach, or Spencer Lee, head wrestling coach. I'm going to eliminate Spencer Lee because I think he has a, a an actual wrestling athletic career ahead of him that's going to take a while. Um, I think Connor probably, if he chooses to jump into coaching uh, after this season, coughs it. Almost out of coffee. Um, thank you for bearing with the coffee sips. Um, I think Connor, if he, he chooses to go in the co- you know, go into coaching that career path, uh, I think that probably starts next year. Um, Brian is already what five years into being the offensive coordinator. If I'm picking one, that's the one I'm going to pick. Um, but just based on a timeline, uh, but I can see all three happening to be honest with you. Um, and you didn't say at, uh, Oh, you did say what happens first at Iowa. So, yeah, you did um, define that question as being at Iowa. But I would say Brian uh, being – I'd go Brian, Connor, Spencer. Those That would be the order I would go in. But interesting question and one I appreciate. Thank you, Scott. Uh, Justin Frerichs at JJF27, another – frequent contributor to the podcast. Appreciate your questions. If the center out of Utah Valley, and that would be Fardaz Amac, uh, I can't, I can say his name, but I have an idea, have no idea how to spell it. Um, I can say his name, but does, doesn't commit to Iowa. Are the Hawks recruiting anyone else in the transfer portal? They are uh, not a lot of names right now. I think in this situation, 
you recruit guys, but you really want to know, let Fardaw's AMAC know that he's the guy and that you're not, it's not like an either or situation. You put all your eggs in that basket because he's so far and away the best guy in the portal for what you need that you go all out. And then I think there are other comparable guys in there that maybe you can get. Um, and, and just think of like um, maybe a Philip Bracha type. You're trying to find the right fit. Um, you know, a guy that fits in both culturally and for what you need from a talent standpoint. Um, and I know I, I've heard people criticizing uh, Rebracha quite a bit. And I, I mean, the guy played out of position last year, took a pounding, uh, did everything he could for a team that won the Big Ten championship. He was out of position, but he, I, I, I don't know why I would have been without him last year, if you think about it, uh, because, you know, Gundelay is out of the system or out of the program now, and Mulvey was not ready. Um, hopefully Mulvey takes a step forward this year, uh, but I could see Iowa going small quite a bit if, uh, if they don't get uh, AMAC. But I think, and, and they, you know, um, the, the kid from, from Missouri, um, Connor Turnbull was supposed to visit last week. He was a 22 kid that they saw as a possibility coming help, coming in to help inside. Um, and I don't know, that wasn't, and either or with AMAC, that was in addition to. Um, but he decided to stick with his Butler commitment. But there are other guys out there. I don't have names for you. I apologize for that. Fran is very covert in these situations. He does not like to let others know who he's after for fear of tipping off other schools looking. Because Fran has got a reputation of having a real keen eye for talent. And his ability to spot talent is, you know, is pretty good. And he develops it pretty well in addition to that, but he does not want to tip his hand. So uh, that's kind of where things are at there. But um, sorry, I'm looking for an email to see, because I thought I had, no, I don't. I thought I had another name for you guys. I don't, I apologize that, but I'll, I am actively searching for names um, of, of people that are in the portal that Iowa might be after. And there's just, it's so, there's so little information on Fardo as an AMAC right now. He's not really doing interviews. I've tried him. I, I've got his phone number. I've got his email. I've called him. I've texted him. I've emailed him and gotten no response. That's not a criticism of him. I'm sure he's getting hammered by a bunch of guys who cover recruiting, uh, especially when you consider the teams that he's interested in. A lot of interest in those fan bases, multiple reporters from five schools trying to contact you. We'll see. We haven't, you know, we haven't um, gotten any information on when he's officially visiting anywhere. Hopefully that stuff comes soon. So keep an ear, keep an ear and eye out on that, Justin. And, I will uh, report anything that I know. And thanks for the question. Uh, stay tuned, so to speak. Uh, we got a little run here from Drake, Drake Timbers, uh, our good friend at Drake Timbers on Twitter. Are Iowa boosters similar to Kirk and their enthusiasm for NIL? If so, how much will these rich, slow to organize country bumpkins hurt Iowa recruiting? Addressed that a little bit earlier on, uh, on the NIL collective question, Drake. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's hard for me to know 
you know, you, you hope that whoever, you know, the, the people that are involved in the collective are doing the best. And it doesn't have to be the first, but it can't be the last and it has to be effective. So whatever they're doing, make sure when you hit the ground, you're running. And I don't know. I think most of the, the, the boosters listen to Kirk and Fran and Lisa uh, and Tom Brands, what they need. So it's up to the coaches to say, listen, you're donating this to us. Maybe, you know, redirect that to the collective. That's going to be interesting because there's only so much. And, and again, I wrote about this. You can find that column on my Twitter timeline at Brown HN. Um, but you need to figure this out and how the pie is going to be sliced up because you can't get, you can't just expect to get to be able to recruit at the level you recruit at and not be, not offer student athletes. With, and that's not to say, hey, here's $200,000 or whatever it is that Nigel Pack got going to Miami from Kansas State, but you have to be competitive in whatever the market is. And it's a developing, ever changing, fluid market. Um, but I, you, you really run the risk of putting your athletic department behind if you don't take part and try to best maximize your resources. I can't say exactly what that is. I don't know exactly what that look like, looks like, but the people that are in charge of this, and it can't be directly from the athletic department. They can't organize NILs, but they can steer funds, booster money, stuff like that. They can have a certain amount of involvement in terms of where money goes uh, and direct and organize that. So that's all part of it. I don't know, though. I'm I'm eager to see. I'm eager to see where this goes. Um, Drake Timbers, can Iowa still snag Casper if BF goes full Kim Jong-un this season, turning Petrus's arm into the little rocket man's new favorite toy, racking up passing yards, and devastating Big Ten country with precision-guided Sam LaPorta and Keenan Johnson touchdowns. Um, I think the Casper train has left the station, Drake. Um, And as much as I would like to see uh, Iowa's offense be high-octane, I do not think there's going to be enough there to sway. You never say never, um, but I think Kyler's pretty set on his Oregon commitment he didn't need to commit now I mean everybody wanted him he he could have waited and and dragged this thing out a little bit more so the fact that he knew where he wanted to go now leads me to believe that that's uh he's going to stay with that commitment um lastly Andre from Drake Timbers the third and final um on the cement steps behind the IMU Iowa fan lights an official Tiger Hawk scented candle prayer beads tap buttered popcorn oils the flame I summon thee, Loch Ness, Rob Howe, arise from this humid river with spring observations on Stilianos and Iowa's tight end depth. Um, here's the deal um, with that. Stilianos is still at Lafayette. He's finishing up his degree there, uh, so he will not be here till the summer. Uh, he is a uh, developed blocker, big physical kid. He's going to help in the running game. Um, haven't seen him yet, though, so can't really give you spring observations on him. 
Uh, tight end depth, Luke Lachey hurt his finger, so he was out. So basically you have Laporta and uh, Pazluzzi. Paz, Paz uh, I think it's Pazluzzi. Let me look that up. I feel horrible not because I, <laughs> I actually wrote about him, I think, on Saturday. But uh, Johnny Pazluzzi, Paz, Paz, Kirk called him Jacuzzi. Um, I don't think that's his name. I think he has some nicknames, uh, but he seems to be uh, Johnny Pascuzzi, P-A-S-C-U-Z-Z-I. He is a walk-on from Olathe, Kansas, Rockridge, uh, 6'4", 225. He made some nice catches. Uh, I think Jackson Fredericks was out. Um, he's one of the tight ends on there, but tight end depth is not great. Um, Denon. Lamoris and a walk-on from Glenn Ellen, Glenbar West, ran a little bit, saw him out there. Um, so uh, that is, uh, you need Lachey to get healthy, and he will. And then with Stilianos coming in and with Laporta, I think you're fine there. Uh, and Pascuzzi, from what Kirk said, has done well this spring. So uh, that's a good sign that, you're, you know, you've got a walk-on who's your fourth guy. And then you've got Addison Estrenga. And, and uh, Kale Vanden, Vanderbush that are coming in as as um, as tight ends, scholarship tight ends in this class, and then Kaisen von von Voot uh, from Western Christian and Hull uh, is walking on. So that's kind of how the tight end depth chart breaks out, um, and we'll kind of see. We'll go from there. I wish we could have gotten to see. Uh, still on straight, but look forward to seeing him at kids day and kind of getting an idea of what he brings uh, to the table from what I've been able to see on film. Uh, and you can find that film out there, uh, big, strong, physical run blocker uh, with pretty good, with underrated uh, route running and um, receiving skills. So like the addition of him, especially with uh, some of the subtractions I was had at tight end position uh, wanted to, uh, Wanted to let you guys know that support for this podcast comes from Systems Unlimited, celebrating 50 years of providing services to people living with disabilities and mental health needs throughout East Central Iowa. A list of their services and upcoming events can be found at sui.org. We thank Systems Unlimited for the support of the podcast, and they do great work, so Please check them out and see if uh, you can't get involved. A couple more here before we finish up. Uh, Jim Edelin uh, at JPI City 3. Iowa Hoops has three remaining scholarships. If Iowa only adds a big from the transfer portal, do you foresee Luke Lakeda or Carter Kingsbury being added as a scholarship players for a year? Potentials there. The pattern so far. Maybe Luke may have ruined his chances with that three-pointer against Northwestern in the Big Ten tournament. I kid. I, I thought that was funny. Um, but the pattern so far with, um, with Darius Stokes and Austin Ash, and I'm trying to think of other guys that have it's been, you know, maybe three, four years in the program. And then maybe that last year you get the scholarship before you move on to another program. Maybe um, they usually don't award scholarships this early in the process. And Kingsbury redshirted last year. So he really hasn't um, 
done a lot in the program. So it's always the possibility. I don't know if you want to just bank scholarships, but it all it also costs money. So I don't know as those guys would uh, be put on scholarship this early in their careers, but you never know. Um, we'll kind of see how that goes. And I, I think, I think Fran may have designs on adding a couple of players here late in the period, obviously a big, uh, but I, I, I could see him wanting to add a shooter as well and maybe add some, some depth somewhere else just to have another body in there. So keep an eye out. We'll have to kind of see how uh, this shakes out, but I'm not sure that all three, um, I'm not sure that the other two remaining scholarships would be open for Laquette and uh, Kingsbury, but we'll see what happens. Good question. Good question to see how those, uh, how those scholarships shake out. Last coffee sip of the pot. Thank you. Pregnant pause, coffee sip. If you could film a documentary on any past or present KF era Hawkeye, who would you pick and why? Oh, that's a good question. I think guys that come to mind are Matt Roth, Bob Sanders, and I'm going back a ways here too. Uh, I think James Daniels would be interesting. Um, Tristan Wirfs, there's been a lot done on him, but potentially him. Um, Ricky Stanzi, I think, would be an interesting one for for a number of reasons. Uh, C.J. Beathard would be really interesting for a number of reasons. If I had to pick one, though, I would say James Daniels. He is a, an interesting dude. Um, obviously, uh, his connection to the program, uh, what happened when he and others spoke up, he kind of led the charge for that. Um, not sure that that would be um, well viewed by members of uh, the Iowa fan base but I think it would be the most interesting. He's an interesting guy um, and, and super intelligent. So uh, I think he would be, you know, his dad played at Ohio state. His brother played here. Um, you know, he's went from the bears to the Steelers. Um, he's got some really interesting interests. Um, I just think that would be a good story to tell. Um, and it'd be good to get some more insight into what he saw while he was in this program. But I'd also put Bob Sanders and Matt Roth and Stanzi and Bethard um, in that category, in those categories as well as, as guys that uh, Sean Green would be a good one working in a furniture store. Uh, and then, uh, and then coming and winning the Doak Walker award, some good ones there though, but I would probably, I'd probably go with James Daniels. He would probably be the guy, uh, that I would do the documentary on because I think it would be informative and a little bit, he's only done one interview since uh, going public. And that was with the washed up walk-ons. Uh, and that just was, I think it was too close to when, and there were too much, too many emotions that were going on uh, on both sides of that. It was just, to me, it wasn't a good interview. I know people will say, you know, I'm wrong and that's fine. That was just my opinion. Uh, I would have liked to have uh, had an opportunity to interview him myself. I've asked before, but he does not want to do interviews. So that's all the more reasons why, all the more reason why I think it might be interesting. Uh, that's all we've got. I'll take one more look here for anybody who did not use the, the hashtag. Um, but I think I think that's probably it. 
Hit all those. Um, hit all those. So that's a that's a wrap. Um, and that's probably long enough. Thirty. I always like to keep these thirty to forty minutes. I think that's a long enough podcast. I appreciate everybody contributing to the podcast. I appreciate everybody listening to the podcast. We'll be back a week from today with the Mailbag Podcast. We will have the Hawkeye Hotspot Podcast on Thursday with Scott Docterman looking back at the spring game and previewing the NFL draft as it relates relates to the Iowa Hawkeyes. So please check that out. Check all the pods here uh, on the Hawk Fanatic feed. Thank you to our sponsors, Systems Unlimited, Wild Rose Casino, and Edward Jones. And we will talk to you next week. Take care.